Let me tell you a story, one that begins nearly a hundred years ago and brings us right up to this moment. My name is Jennifer Peterkin, and this is my podcast, The Human Experience. The Human Experience is a project that I've been actively working on for a couple of years, but the story starts well before that. Looking back, I can see how many roads led me to this specific space. I can see how my lived experience and that of those close to me molded me for this purpose. Nearly every episode of The Human Experience you listen to will be about someone's story from their point of view, so they won't often sound like this. But I'm personally not a fan of asking people to do something I'm not willing to do myself, so I'm going to lead with my story, which brings me to part one of two. Let's call this part Legacy. In 1928, the third of five children was born to a materially poor family in South Philadelphia. A few years later, another man was born to a German mother and a Hungarian father in a small village in Hungary. These men would not meet for many years, and while they were not enemies, they weren't the best of friends either. They exhibited a cordiality towards each other, one fitting for their relationship. You see, they were my grandfather's. One was my grandfather by blood and the other by marriage, but they were both in my life with their respective titles of grandpop and opa by the time I was born. These men were very different. Their life experience was different, the way they approached the world was different, the way they saw the world was different. But their impact on my life cannot be overstated. I am who I am today, at least in part, because of their influence. I don't think I truly realized how much of them I carried with me until they were both gone. It has long been a dream, a goal, an aspiration of mine to write their stories, because I grew up hearing them. I knew who these men were and, in part, the impact they had on the world. But not many people did. History is written by those with the money and influence to do so. After they passed, I felt a surge of guilt and regret like no other. I'd been talking for years about putting pen to paper, and I never did. It was too late. They were gone, and though I could tell you many things about them, it didn't seem like enough. It felt so incomplete. These men who I'd held on such a pillar, who seemed larger than life, were not, in fact, invincible. Losing them shifted something in me. It brought mortality front and center in an existential way. They are one of two paths that ultimately led me here, to this space. Because I realized that even if I didn't know everything, I knew something, and I could still tell their story. I could tell what I knew, and I could make sure that they both lived on. That their story wouldn't end with them, but would be preserved and cherished. And even if I was the only one who ever wanted to hear it again, that would be okay. But then I started to think that I wasn't the only one. Because we never are, are we? As beings, we are obsessed with the past with our ancestry, from where we came. We are proud to announce our heritage and celebrate traditions handed down from generation to generation. But sometimes, things get lost along the way. Stories and people and memories, they become lost to time. And in a way, it's natural for things to move forward, to press on. But in another way, I think it's equally as instinctual for us to cling to the vestiges of humanity that stories carry. My grandfather had a house on a small island in South Jersey, 
less than a two-hour drive from Philadelphia, it was the perfect respite. It was his sanctuary, especially as he got older. The house was designed by him, built in the 80s. It was completely unique, tailored to him. He was a visionary in all things. His house sat on the back of the island, right on the bay. I remember driving down there as a kid in the summer. The drive felt like it lasted forever, and when we would arrive, after being in the stuffy car, I would walk onto their back deck and breathe in the salt air. It was beautiful. It was magical. It was home. Grandpa was always fun. Going to his house was always fun. Being one of seven kids, my mom and her siblings would often bring their families down on the same weekends. Those were, still are, some of my favorite memories. Having only one brother myself, things were never especially loud at our house. But with everyone together, it was loud and chaotic and messy, and my heart was never more full. Saturday morning came, and Grandpa gave you eggs, made to order. Whatever you wanted, he did it. And they were the best eggs ever. No one could beat his eggs. Or his hoagies. He made the absolute best hoagies. Grandpa was always a storyteller. I remember being probably 11 or 12 years old. And after it was dark and we had all finished our dinner, he would lead us kids down the dock to sit on his boat. We wouldn't leave the dock, but surrounded by the water, the only light provided by the moon, he would make up scary stories. When we got older, he started to tell us more about his stories and his life. And no one could capture a room with a tale quite like he could. He was bold. He wasn't afraid to try anything. And he valued anyone's ability to think differently, even if he disagreed with you. Growing up as poor as he did, he did whatever he could to help his family. Family was everything. And he and his siblings never left each other behind. The man was the epitome of a self-starter. He did what he needed to do, and he was never, ever afraid. His siblings would just shake their head at his antics sometimes, at his ideas. But to this day, his sisters will tell you that none of them would be where they are if Johnny hadn't pulled them all through together. They did life together, and they loved each other something fierce. They raised their families together, and they worked together. Up until the end... My grandfather would charter a van to go pick up his siblings and their spouses and bring them to his house in Jersey for the weekend. A couple of months before he passed, I had the passing thought to interview him, and after years of wanting to do it, I finally did. It was October when I went to see him and sit down with him, and he passed away in December. He was 91. He had lived such a full life. To be honest, I still kick myself for waiting so long. Because it was the end and he had a hard time remembering and keeping his train of thought. But that is an interview I will treasure forever. And it is one that I can't wait to share with all of you as well. Which brings me to Opa. In the grandparent lottery, I really made out. I was fortunate to love and be loved by three full sets of grandparents, even if some of them were only for a short time. Opa was my grandmother's second husband. Having married before I was born, though, there was never a day that he wasn't Opa. When I was very young, my parents moved from Philadelphia to Orlando, Florida for my dad's job. My grandma and Opa moved down not long after. They watched me grow from infant to toddler to little kid. Every holiday, every party, every occasion, they were there. He was there. 
Opa loved us in a way that was so incredibly special. He found joy in my brother and I. He didn't get annoyed with us. He loved being around us, and we loved being with him. He brought a light with him into every room. He was quick with a smile, and he was fun, always fun. Meeting him casually, you would never know what was under the surface, what this man had lived through, because he didn't live his life with a chip on his shoulder. He lived his life thankful for what he had and who he had. He had so many reasons to be bitter, to be angry, but he wasn't. He had so many reasons to be proud, to get up and wax poetic about what he had accomplished, but he didn't. When I think of joy, I think of him. There certainly has to be something to that, as there was one time that I remember we were walking through the mall during Christmas time, and a mall associate came up to him and asked if he would play Santa because their Santa just got sick. Many stories about Opa contain some situation where a word or a phrase got lost in translation. With Hungarian and German being his primary languages, he did fantastic with English, but there were some colloquial things that didn't quite translate and his pronunciation of certain words brought my brother and I no end of smiles. After taking my brother and I to Disney World one time, we were all standing in the kitchen eating cold cuts and pickles, an Opa special, and he announced to us that we forgot the Subarus in the car. As you can imagine, this caused quite a bit of confusion. We left the Subarus in the car? Ignoring the fact that they owned a Hyundai, how does one even do that? After a bit of parsing the information, it was revealed that what we actually forgot in the car was the souvenirs. We still call them Subarus. Opa enjoyed simple things. He loved going to get Philly cheesesteaks. He loved having a cold beer, even though he wasn't supposed to drink it. My grandmother wouldn't let him have it, but when he was over our house, my mom would open one for him and pass it over before my grandmother could do or say anything about it. My grandmother would half-heartedly remind everyone that Opa wasn't supposed to have that, and my mom would say that once in a while, it was fine, and that he hadn't made it this far not to eat and drink what he wanted if it made him happy, and he would beam at this simple pleasure. He loved watching action movies. Well, I say that, but what I guess I should actually amend that to is he loved watching the beginning of action movies. He could not get through an entire movie without falling asleep. But he would wake up for about the last 10 minutes and pretend like he had been watching the entire time. Opa was an endless well. He always had more to give. He was a leader, but not in an obvious way. He had a quiet conviction about him. A conviction that stemmed from a past most people couldn't even imagine. He was born in Hungary, a country that would become occupied by Nazis and then by the Soviets. While the Nazi occupation was relatively short-term, the Soviet occupation went on for 40 years through the end of the Cold War. He was a teenager when occupation began and war rocked the country. He and his family were displaced from their home during the Soviet occupation, forced to leave with nothing but what they could carry. Opa didn't grow up in a religious family, but when he was in his late teens, he started to become interested in the Christian church. Through a few people he met at his job as a cashier in a local store, he was introduced to the underground church. He had questions, lots of them, but he kept going back. He kept seeking. He knew it was dangerous. He knew it was against the law, and he didn't care. 
Over the course of a couple years, he became entrenched in the community of the underground church, rising up as one of the leaders of the youth. It was a movement, and it was growing. Eventually, their meetings were found out. Many of them were arrested, including my opa. In the last years of his life, opa had dementia. It was difficult to keep him focused to tell a complete story. I wish I had known what I had access to when I was a kid. He came to my school twice to tell his story. Even then, I knew it was important, and I knew it was special, but I didn't know enough that I would regret trusting my mind to remember instead of getting it on tape. I didn't know that dementia would make it so that some of his memories were more vivid, but they were incomplete, or that he would increasingly revert back to speaking Hungarian, or that he would look at you and think you were someone from years past, if only for a second. What I know he remembered was the vision he had one of the first nights he was in jail. This story was clear till the end. He said that while he was sleeping, he had a dream, and in his dream, he could see the front of the prison he was being held in. The front of the prison held a gate, and on one side of the gate was the year 1952. On the other side of the gate was the year 1956. He was arrested in 1952. When he woke up, he said he knew after that dream that he would be in the prison for four years, until 1956. Sure enough, in 1956, the Hungarian freedom fighters raided his prison and set them free. When the doors were opened, people were afraid to leave. They were afraid it was a trap. He said, this is my only chance. I'm taking it. He left, and he was able to make his way from there, through Europe, and on a ship to New York City, coming through Ellis Island. I was actually even able to locate him on the ship records. How he made his way through Europe is unclear. I do remember some sort of dairy trek being involved, but that story is incomplete at best. When he got to New York, he made contact with a friend from Hungary who was living in Philadelphia. So he moved down and found community in the city of brotherly love. It was here that he met his first wife. They married and had two boys. I never had the opportunity to meet his sons myself, but I knew how much they meant to him. He loved them dearly, and he talked about them with nothing but pride and affection. Opa played the violin. It wasn't something he learned as a kid, nor did he take professional lessons. No, his son played the violin, and his son was struggling to read the music, to play, I'm not sure. But this man taught himself how to play the violin so that when his son needed help, he would know how to help him. Unfortunately, the small church that he and his wife attended had some very serious issues. The directions coming from the pastor were off, like how much money they had to give directly to him or how they were to behave. It was cult-like. Opa wasn't having it. He was strong in his conviction and he stood up to this leader. He would pay the ultimate price, though, as this manipulator had his wife fooled. The pastor convinced Opa's wife to take their sons, take their possessions, and leave him while he was at work. He never really had a relationship with his sons after that. He never stopped wanting it, but some wounds never heal. After coming from adversity, completely starting over, now he had to do it again. But he had his professional life. He worked at a prestigious university in Philadelphia as a nuclear physicist. 
Don't ask me how, as far as I knew, he didn't have any experience in Hungary that would lend itself to that profession. But he held labs, and taught classes, and published papers. Perhaps the coolest achievement was his work with NASA, in which he developed a lens that allowed them to take pictures of the sun. An accident in the lab eventually forced him into retirement. It was after retirement that he started doing prison ministry. He would go into prisons and talk with the men there. He would form relationships. He said they always liked talking to him better than the chaplain they had because he knew what it was like to be there, to be stuck, and to struggle to find hope. It's only recently that I can truly appreciate what these men did in their years on earth. And even then, I will never understand on a visceral level. But when I think of them, which I often do, I am struck by their joy. I'm overwhelmed by their grace. I'm stirred by their perseverance. And I'm proud. I'm proud of their legacy. I'm proud that it's mine. I think our stories contain multitudes. Because your story doesn't start with you. You are not an island. You are shaped by your environment and you are molded by your circumstance, but you are formed by your legacy, by the generations that came before, good and bad. In a world so consumed with vitriolic anonymity, I hope this places you right in the center of what makes us human. I hope you hear these stories and find a balm to soothe your wounds. I hope you hear these stories and find an understanding or compassion that didn't exist before. And I hope you hear these stories and want to share your own. Thank you so much for listening to The Human Experience. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, and leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Everyone has a story and I'd love to hear yours. So be sure to check out the show notes for more information about how to stay in touch. Do good and take care.